what's a thought that you had in the past hour? Like, just don't tell me. Just think about it. Like, what's a major thought that you had in the past hour? How about the past few hours? Was it positive or negative? Was it uplifting, tearing down? What was it uh, all about? For me, like I can tell you, my thought for the first, uh, not for the first, for the past hour has been, I got to wear this stupid microphone because I'm not a microphone person. I don't like it. But I know that um, my voice uh, needs some help this morning. But typically it's negative. Negative thoughts, uh, we kind of roll through our heads all the time, right? And let me show you a verse, really important verse. Proverbs says this, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. Let me give you a little breakdown here. Hebrews, the, the Hebrew word for heart actually refers to um, to thought, to what you're thinking, to what you're processing in your brain. So if you can say that translates to mind, guard your mind above all else for it determines the course of your life, that determines the course of my life? Would you say that's true? Probably, right? Because if you think it, then all of a sudden you will feel it, and then all of a sudden you will do it. It will go from thought into action very quickly. It'll, it'll snake its way through, and then all of a sudden you're wondering, like, how did I even get to the place that I'm at? Well, it starts with a thought. It's, it's called the law of, of cognition. It's, it's uh, going from thought into impacting your feelings, impacting your actions. So how are your thoughts lately? How, what are you thinking about? So we just had Thanksgiving, right? Was Thanksgiving good? Great? Horrible? Sad? What was it? And, and some of us could say, you know what? Thanksgiving was phenomenal. It was great. Like I gained 20 pounds and um, I watched every single uh, football game that was on. Like the NFL was going on. You had World Cup going on. You had Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade if you're into the, the parade. And then, you know what? There's a dog show on as well. I don't know if you've ever watched the dog show. Um, you know what dog won best in show? So my mind gets in little like rabbit trails all the time. And so I went from looking at what was going on during Thanksgiving to realizing like who won best in show? And it happened to be a French bulldog. And I don't know why it's always the French. The French always win everything. I feel like baguettes and kissing. I don't know what's up with that. They always win everything. And then um, I went from that to say, well, who owns the French bulldog? It happens to be somebody who plays on the Los Angeles Chargers football team. And then all of a sudden, uh, I, my mind went crazier to say that I found out PETA was super uh, mad that a French bulldog won this dog show because they said, how dare you um, use a deformity of a dog for Because French bulldogs have like deviated septums and they can't breathe right. And then I happen to go to the Twitter page of PETA. And I'm telling you, that, that gets a whole nother, that's weird. Like they are psycho. I'm sorry, PETA psycho. Um, like they had a illustration for Thanksgiving of, a turkey family, like human bodies, but turkey heads, carving into a human. I, yeah, 
Crazy. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but crazy. So your Thanksgiving could be awesome like that. Or Thanksgiving could be really sad, really hard, difficult, depressing. However it went down, guaranteed every single one of us had a negative thought about Thanksgiving. The day, right? Who didn't show up? Or who did show up? Or what was made? Or what wasn't made? Or how cold was it? How hot was it? Like for me, I like we played cornhole, and I was getting frustrated because the bag started ripping. And so we tried to sew them up real quick and keep going. And I think one game took about three hours because we had to keep sewing the bags. And then I lost on top of it. And I was disappointed because the food was cold. So like negative thoughts just rolled through our heads over and over and over and over again. So let me ask you this question. Scale of one to to five. Let's do five. One being not at all. Five being all the time. How negative is our world? Hold up, hold up with your hand. The world, including you. Just you, no one else. One, you think we're just the U.S., the world, everybody, yourself. You're not negative at all. No negative thoughts. Two, eh, three, four, or you know what, all of the time. Okay. Nobody says one. People are pretty negative, aren't they? Negative, it's a huge deal. It's a massive deal. Like I just read in Proverbs, if you do not guard your heart, if you do not guard the mind, it will transform the course of your life. It's like a bad Uber driver taking you here, there, and everywhere. It's taking you all over the place. And I like what Paul says. Paul says this in Romans 8, verse 5 through 6. It says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Interesting, isn't it? Would you say that's true? Letting your sinful nature, letting your flesh, letting your selfish desires, letting everything of what we know of as the world control our minds so much so that it will lead to death. But if we allow our minds, our lives to be controlled by God, the Holy Spirit, we will have life and peace. The world leads to death, destruction. I mean, we're, we're being demolished left and right with the thoughts that go on into our minds. And do you think there's hope for this? Is there, is there a way to come out of this? Is there a way to, to get away from the negative thoughts? Do we even believe that negative thoughts are controlling everything that we do? Did you know that... Um, Negative thoughts, uh, negativity is that you're biased. You're biased. I don't know if you realize this, that you are more willing to think a negative thought than a positive thought. You are. It means you can't referee or, or uh, counsel because you're biased. You'll always look for the negative of those people. <laughs> but it's because negativity imprints on the brain quicker. Negativity lingers longer. Negativity wants to hang out and create a room and create a space and and make the bed and stay for a few nights. Negativity does that. Positivity does not. And I can even prove it this way. What is the fastest growing thing that ever shows up on social media? Is it positive or is it negative? It's negative all the time. I can even use the example of uh, after today, you know, 10 people could come up to me and say, you know what? 
God really spoke to me, and this is how he spoke to me through this message. You know what? This is what God really wanted to teach me. And, and this was, this. I loved that verse. Like 10 people could come up and say that to me after this. But then one person come up and have one little comment. And what is my mind going to stay on? So stay on the comment, right? The one little thing. Like, I, I remember there was one moment I even preached. There was this gentleman after the, the service comes up to me. Doesn't say anything nice whatsoever. And not that I'm expecting it, but he says, hey, by the way, you talked about the flag wrong. I'm like, what? I think I only talked about the American flag for two seconds. And I didn't say anything rude or disrespectful or unpatriotic about the, the American flag, but that's what he grabbed onto, that negativity. And all of a sudden that comes into my mind because he speaks it. And, and it just plays into this chronic negativity cycle over and over and over again. It happens. It's kind of like, well, let me read six again. Letting our sinful nature control our mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control our minds leads to life and peace. What happens when you allow social media to affect you negatively? Your friends to affect you negatively? your job to affect you negatively. It actually tears you apart. It chips away at you piece by piece by piece by piece. I, it becomes your default. I almost kind of think of it like when you walk through grass, I know all of us have rock yards in the front especially, but if we had grass, if you had a car on the curb and you go from your front door to the curb and you walk through the grass, over time, what's going to happen to that grass? It's going to become worn down. It's going to die and you're, you're going to see this well-worn path and your mind is cognitively going to think, that's the path I'm always going to go. I'm not going to go around any other way. That is the path I need to travel all of the time. And so when we think of negativity, that becomes our default. And we just kind of live in that moment, going back and forth, back and forth, and not realizing that it chips away at us and kills us slowly. But I do believe that there's good news. Because I do believe with the help of God that he can do anything in our, in our lives, can he? Do you believe that? So I want to get a little more personal though first. Before, before we go into any application part, I want, to, I want you to begin to think about where the negativity lies the most in your mind, okay? So where are you prone to negativity the most? Psychologists give you four areas, four areas. And I kind of changed the name slightly because um, the original names weren't as cool. So I'm just saying, they just were too heady. But... First one, <clears throat> where are you prone to negativity? First one, relational doubting. That, there's, there's a lot of ne negativity that, that goes into relational doubting all the time. Doubting that that person has good motives. Doubting that they care about you. And, and you always begin to think that they're always about themselves and they always want what they want and they're selfish and um, they don't care about you at all. You don't trust people. There's a lot, a lot of negativity in that, right? first area. Second area is negative scanning. Scanning. We all do it all the time, don't we? Where can I find the problem? Who is the problem? Where is the problem? And we just scan everything in the room and we, we scan everything that is in our home and we scan everything. What's that noise? Me? Is that better? I like that so much better. Can you hear me? Squirrel. So I hear. But scanning. 
I, I do that sometimes. I'll walk into a, a, a restaurant and I'll automatically scan and say, where do I want to be seated? Because I don't want that waiter or waitress because they're going to make my life miserable. Or you know what? I want to be by that uh, window over there. I don't want to be by the bathroom. Or I want this place. Or I want that place. Or I want this. Or I want that. We get negative when we begin to scan and only look for things that are cynical and bad and wrong. Right? Or, or you have the third which is the extreme thinking. It's the black and white. It's the all or nothing. It's to say, if um, a man hurts you, then all men are bad, right? It's all or nothing. A woman lies to you, well, all women are liars. It's the extremes. That's a way of negativity. We, 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 are, we never want to go in the middle. We always want to think it's one way or another. It's they're either good or they're horrible. Well, the fourth way is the victim thinking. You're always the victim. Everybody's always out to get you. And they're the ones that, that cause the problem. And they're the ones who are doing the, the, the bad and not you. And, and what does that do? That creates jealousness. That creates discontent. That creates um, just misery, right? And I would say that we all struggle with one of those areas, if not all of them, in a given week, right? And, and is there a way out of it? Is there a way out of this chronic negativity? Now, the world will say no. The world will say you're stuck that way. The world will say that you're always going to be like this unless you pay $21.95, $21.95, three easy payments, $21.95, buy this book, get this program, get this app, and you can be a better version of yourself. That's what the world tells us. But if you don't do those things, if you don't give it money, then all, if you don't feed the beast money, then guaranteed you're going to be stuck negative all the rest of your life, all the live long day. What? All the live long day? Is that a song? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <on the> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. But our thoughts are powerful. <laughs> sure. But our thoughts are powerful. They can control every little bit of our lives every minute of our day, and they can not only make us miserable, but they can make our family and our coworkers miserable and everybody around us miserable. So how? How do my thoughts become positive? Well, do you know of a guy named uh, David in the Bible? You know, little-known character, not super important, didn't write a whole lot. He was a short, stubby little guy. He slung a little sling, killed a giant, no big deal, right? That guy, just kidding, he's a big, big character in the Bible. Well, David constantly dealt with negativity, constantly always had these thoughts of just depression and misery and anguish in his mind. He was always battling. And I want to look and see, okay, what did David do to get out of the negative funk that he was in? What did he do? Because we're talking about mental health here. Sure, there's a verse there. Mental health and negative thoughts control so much of our lives, and I want us to break the cycle of ne negativity. I don't, want, I don't want my kids to grow up with negativity. I don't want your kids to grow up with negativity. I don't want any of our neighbors to grow up with negativity. I want us to always have the heart of saying there's hope and there's joy and there's peace and there's life. I want that. And David does some miraculous 
things to help him get out of these fogs. And like I said, it's not him. There's no self-help here. That, that's not possible. But it's the power of God. And I want to look at a passage in 1 Samuel 30. Let me give you some context real quick of this, this scenario. So this is where he still isn't king yet. And um, he and his, his crew, his troops, they, they end up having this village with their, their wives, their kids, their um, herds, everything. They have this, this village, and they decide to leave, and they decide to battle. And when they're away, who's in the village? Just the women and the kids, right? Well, somebody takes advantage of that. Another group of men decide to sweep in and take everything. They burn the houses. They destroy everything around. They take the animals. They take uh, the women. They take the kids, and they leave. And by the time David and his men get back, Nothing is there. Absolutely nothing. Talk about a horrible, really, really bad day, bad scenario. I don't think we've had it this bad ever, but it gets worse. Why? Because his men who absolutely love David decide, you know what? We're so angry. We're so bitter. We're so sad. Let's stone him. Let's, it's mutiny, right? Let's kill the dude in charge. Like that's going to um, get our, our, our wives back and our kids back and our herds back. Let's kill that guy. Let's read it. Verse 3 says this. I'm going to read off this paper. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned. Their wives and kids had been taken captive. Then David and the men who were with him wept loudly until they could weep no more. David was very upset, for the men were thinking of stoning him. Each man grieved over his family. I had the pain, the anxiety, the fear, the anxious thoughts, negativity just creeping in and making a whole house in their minds. But I want to show you the whole verse 6. Whole verse 6. I'll start at the beginning of verse 6. David was very upset, for the men were thinking of stoning him. Each man grieved bitterly over his son and daughter over his kids, his family. But David drew strength from the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. You know, I just, I want to call BS right here. It's bull. Not this, but on every self-help book, every person that says you can do it yourself, just pull yourself up out of the, the dirt. You can change, you can do this all by yourself. That is that's BS. It is. David didn't say, you know what? Let me just pull myself up. Let me get myself off the ground. Let me just stand up straight and talk to my men with, with leadership and, and strength and courage. Let me do that. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, I am, I'm messed up. I'm not, I, I, I'm broken. I'm weeping just as much as these men are for my wife and my and my family and everything that I have, he's just as bad off as they are. Why in the world do we always go to self-help stuff? Why do we go to every self-help app? Why do we go to self-help books and some motivational speaker to figure it out? That's not going to work. That's why it's BS. But he says, I found strength in the Lord. I drew strength from the Lord, my God. There's only power and strength and ability found in the Lord, our God. He knew he couldn't change his circumstances. He knew he couldn't do anything about it. 
He couldn't. Well, well, where did he find this strength? Where did he find this, this ability to just jump out of the negative into the positive? Because that's what I want to know. I want to know, like, when my mind gets that place, when I realize that I'm down and out, and when I'm struggling, when I'm having a hard time, and things are not going well, and I'm surrounded by, by social media and friends and family that are always negative, how do I get out of that spot? Psalm 103. He writes this. Psalm 103. David actually wrote most of the Psalms. What I love about the Psalms is he just pours out his emotion. It doesn't matter if it's if it's the perfect emotion. He always pours it out. He's, he's telling you if he's angry or sad or depressed or hurting. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't care. He's like, you know what? God wants to hear all of my heart, so I'm going to share every part of me. And he always, I love it. He always gets to a place where he uses the word Selah. And what that word means is to pause and to reflect on God. It's always in the moment of the middle of the Psalms, most of the Psalms he writes. And it's almost a, a point where he realizes, huh, man, God's still good. God's still great. And this is actually what he says in 103 verse 1. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, with all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Praise. That's what he's doing. That's where he finds strength. That's where he comes out of the negativity. That's where he comes out of the depression. That's where he comes out of the anxiety. He says, I have found my strength in the Lord, and I'm choosing to praise him. My soul praises him. Can you praise if you have no clue why you're praising that person? Can you give praise to somebody? No, like, like as an example, if I want to thank somebody for doing something, would I just say thank you without ever knowing why I'm thanking them? No, I wouldn't. So in a way, what I'm saying is that he is praising, he's recognizing, he's remembering in his mind what God has done for him. That's what's going on. And it makes him want to lift up his hands and say, God, you are good. You are great. I know and I can trust that you are going to take care of us in this situation. That's what he's doing. He's praising God for his goodness, his character, his love, his mercy, his joy, everything. He's actually realizing, by the way, that all of the, the women and kids, no one was killed. Two. It's a different perspective. He's all of a sudden recognizing, wait, wait, wait. They did take everybody. But they didn't kill anybody. So that means that we have the opportunity to go get them back. And he's praising God for it. And he says this in verse 8, same chapter. He says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is compassionate. This is, by the way, this, this verse, why I bring verse 8 up is because this is the verse that he always repeats. And you might think that David was this original songwriter, like he was just the greatest songwriter ever, better than like Bob Dylan or anybody else that you may know. Um, no, he, uh, he's actually very unoriginal. <laughs> and he repeats this line over and over and over and over and over again. God is compassionate. God is merciful. God is slow to get angry. God is filled with unfailing love. He repeats it in, in chapter 86, 108, 145. And by the way, it's not even original to him. He wasn't the one who wrote it. 
God wrote it in Exodus 34. God said, you know what? I am compassionate. I am merciful. I am unfailing. I am God. You know how a cow eats? I know I flipped it on you right now, didn't I? Just like, how does a cow eat? Yeah. Get a fat amount of grass in their mouth. And they chew it. They chew it. They chew it. They chew it. And then they swallow it. And what do they do? They throw it back up into their mouth. And they chew it. And they chew it. And they chew it. And they chew it. They swallow it again. Then they throw it back up into their mouth. I know, super tasty, huh? And they chew it. And they chew it. How would you like to do that with Thanksgiving meal? That'd be so weird. Just spitting up the turkey and then chewing it again. That'd be so bad. I don't know why I'm thinking about that. But they chew and they chew and they chew and they swallow. Why do they do that? Why do cows do that? Because they want to get every single piece of nutrient out of that grass possible. That's what they want to do. They want to suck out every morsel, every ounce, every sliver, every piece of nutrient out, to, out of the grass to help their bodies to be healthy, right? Well, are we doing that with the word of God? Are we doing that? Uh, like what, what they call it is rumination. That's what cows do. They ruminate when they do this regurgitation thing. Another word for ruminate in the Hebrew means to meditate. I am not talking about Eastern religious meditation. That is not what I'm talking about, where you're trying to find mindfulness and centeredness. No, that's BS too, calling it. You can tell me about it later. But meditation is where you're thinking about God. You're thinking upon the words of God. You're ruminating. You're chewing on the words of God. Are you taking every single piece of nutrient that God gives you, the compassion, the mercy, the love, the joy, the peace, even the correction and the discipline, all of that, is that coming into play in your life? That is what he's doing. How does somebody find joy, find peace, find strength, find positive thought, you've got to seek the help of God, the power and the strength and the ability of God. And where do you find that power and ability and strength of God? Through his live and active word. That's what you do. If I want to know what to think upon, if I want to know that I'm okay and everything is going to be all right, I need to go to the word of God and I need to ruminate on that. I need to meditate on that. I need to chew over and over and over again. Walk away come back to it, walk away, come back to it, walk away, come back to it over and over and over and over again. That's finding strength in the Lord. Here's the other thing I think you should do. Do you ever fast from negativity? Do you ever fast from it? We love to fast from things we don't like, but because we love negativity, it's hard to fast from it. We always want the latest gossip, the latest news, the latest uh, whatever that is going on. But where's your negativity coming from? Is it social media? Is it friends? Is it, um, I don't know, is it a restaurant? I don't know why I said that. Is it Little League with your kids, whatever? There's so many different places that just breed and seep negativity. And I believe that if we want to end negativity, we need to seek the power of God, and we also need to be intentional and put some work into play in our own lives. And that means you need to take up the fact that maybe that friend that you think is your best friend, they're always 
just bringing negativity in your life and you just kind of walk away feeling just down and out, maybe you should spend less time with them. Or maybe you should have boundaries with that person. And maybe you should control the conversation. Maybe you need to think through this a little bit better. And maybe you should ditch Instagram or Facebook. I would love to ditch all social media. I would love that. The amount of worry that comes about with social media is ridiculous. But the whole point, Romans 8, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Holy Spirit is life. Where's our mind at? Where, where, what are we going to think about today? What are we going to think about tomorrow? Because whatever we think about, it's going to control our life, going to control your actions. So that's the challenge. Take time in God's word. Ruminate on God's word. Meditate on God's word. Seek God's word. And if you don't know where to read, talk to me. Talk to somebody. Talk to, um, I don't know, go to your Bible app and look for a plan to read. Study. Because mental health is a huge deal. And negative thought usually breeds the anxiety and the depression that we always face. Let me pray. God, I pray that we we seek your help, we seek your wisdom, we seek your direction on the thoughts that come into our minds. David said that he found and drew strength from the Lord his God. And I pray that we do that. I pray, help us to de desire your words, your truth, all the, the positive thought that you have. I don't want to go into the holidays. I don't want to go into the Christmas season just thinking negatively about uh, things that cost a lot of money or, or um, all the events or parties or, or get-togethers or whatever it may be. I don't want to think about those things. I want to seek the will of God, and I want to seek your love and your truth and your positive thought, God. Help us to choose you in everything that we think about. Help us to capture those negative thoughts and hand them over to you so that you can deal with them, God. Change our hearts for the better. We love you, God. In your name we pray, amen.